Those who know me will know that for a long time, I felt that travel plays a key role in individual growth, healing and expansion. And Australia, for a long, long time, has been a popular destination for such travel. It's with this in mind that this week I was able to connect into that directly with Ali Delury and Pat Bonner, a wonderful couple from America who are exploring our country in a small orange van for 12 months. Having both served time in the US Air Force in demanding roles, these guys aren't just bumming about. Pat is refining his stand-up comedy skills across Australia while Ali creates travel content for companies back in the US. Obviously, they are enjoying themselves and having a great time as well. This conversation gets real very quickly, and we cover a lot of ground, from the check to their identity from leaving the military and avoiding the draw of the shoulds of life that are pressed upon us, through to the relationship learnings from living in the crucible of a small van environment and the need to understand and articulate personal needs to those closest to you. Throughout this story, Australia and its people play a key role as the muse and backdrop to their journey and travels. Often Pat and Ali come back to the opportunities to enjoy real human connection as they explore the land and culture, either through conversation or laughter. Pat and Ali are just wonderful, lovely people, both individually and as a couple. And I was just so chuffed that they reached out and asked to come on the podcast and I seized this opportunity. Whether you have travelled and want to reconnect back to that part of you, or you are thinking about taking the first steps to go out there, this is a must listen to. So enjoy Pat and Ali. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today we're going to have a bit of fun. Today I have two guests all at once. Today, because let's not forget, Australia is a great place to come and travel. In fact, we have loads of tourists and I myself came on a big adventure which was sort of a coming to manhood in my latitudes. Anyway, so today we're going to have a look at Australia through the eyes of foreigners as well. With my guests, Ali Delory and Patrick Don- Bonner. Well, <laughs> Bonner, I've got it out. Yeah, no, it's so nice you had to say it twice. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, yeah. So, guys, where are you from? Uh, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. So, yeah. if you're unfamiliar, that's uh, by the mountains. Yep. Yeah. The cool part of the U.S. The cool yes. part of the U.S. Yes. Colorado, cool. And just give me an overview. Tell me about your travels. Because right now, I mean, we were going to do it in the van, but right now there's a funky-looking orange van parked right outside. Oh, house. yeah, the magic tool bus. You want yep. to give the overview? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we came over here from the States back in November. Um, we're here for a year. We're doing a, a work and holiday visa kind of thing. And uh, we got the van within our first month. And it's been awesome. We've had the flexibility to go uh, to Adelaide. We're here now in Perth to the southern part of Western Australia. So it's just been such a wild ride, literally and figuratively. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, great hospitality here in Australia. Yeah. People have been really friendly. Cool. I'm going to ask you about that in a bit. So just to get a bit of an overview and an idea of, of you two, because look, I didn't just decide to do a party. You know, Ali reached out to me last week and... Um, I didn't just decide to pick any old, you know, soap dodgy backpackers. Dirty hippies. Fremantle and find exactly. a shit ton of those. So, yeah, tell me a bit about you two, because you, you're both veterans. 
That's right. Yes. In America. So, you know, for the listener, these are not some teenage, spotty, soaked or junior. Yeah, we, we've had an interesting background. So we just both met uh, while we were living in Italy. We were both stationed there uh, in the Air Force. We were both Air Force officers. I don't want to speak for you, Al. I don't want to tell you <laughs> yeah. your story. But um, So I was a joint terminal attack controller, which means... Uh, I would embed with usually army units yeah. and I would control airstrikes. So a combat heavy job, very stressful. And yeah. I did that for about eight years. So you're the dude that like puts the laser on the... It, I mean, that's target. a bit, yes, that's a... Paints it up. Is yeah. That what it's called? That's a, you've got good terminology there. Yeah, a little bit too much call of duty maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the exciting part of the job. Yes. Um, I mean, in all actuality... I'd say 90% of it is is hanging around in garrison, doing paperwork, that type of stuff as an yeah. officer. Um, but the 10% is is combat intensive. So right. a lot of deployments. I did Afghanistan and Iraq. And then after eight years, um, as a captain, you kind of advance or you rank out of kind of doing that stuff, which I found to be boring, right. like all the admin stuff. Yeah. So as, as I progressed in rank, I kind of lost interest in the paperwork aspect of the job and decided to get out. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that's really well, my right. story, too. I did two years as a public affairs officer. So I was essentially right. doing PR overseas in Italy. That's how I met Pat. And then uh, the last three years of my military career, I was a combat camera officer. So I was in charge of training airmen to go out and document combat from the air and the ground. So that was so fun. I got to travel all over, deploy to cool places and, you know, just try to be a little bit of a badass. Not like Pat, but... Well, I mean, (laughs) combat camera is pretty badass. Yeah, it was so fun. Um, But as an officer, you can only really do that for three years. You have to carry so much stuff. It's ridiculous. Like I would have like an M9, an M4 and like two camera bodies, all my lenses, all my, my gear, PPE. So... It was a lot, uh, and especially as a, a dainty little woman, sometimes it's it's tough to <laughs> kind of yeah. go out there with all that stuff. But it was so fun, and it taught me so much about documenting travel, which mm. I got to do later on, uh, and all that good stuff. So just quickly, why the forces? Why join? Well, uh, that's a great. I mean, that's a good question. Nobody really joins the military if things are going great. So I joined when I was uh, I did ROTC, which is a Reserve Officer Training. Um, commissioning program so basically in college you can compete for a scholarship uh, and then you owe the military um, some time after you graduate yeah so I needed a way for, to pay for school because my freshman year uh, I kind of messed around a little bit too much and they yanked my academic scholarship so wow. I, I needed I need money if yeah. I wanted to graduate so uh, I looked at the Air Force and looked like a pretty good program that seemed to be where the smart people went if they were uh, <laughs> if they were going to join the military so I was like all right I think I might be smart I'll try that um, they accepted me they gave me a scholarship and then I owed them time afterwards and to tell you the truth, uh, my first eight seven and a half years in the military were it was a lot of fun I met great people and I don't I definitely don't regret it but it yeah. was uh, it was definitely spurred by a little bit of patriotism, but a lot of necessity. Right. Yeah. And what about yourself? Honestly, same. I mean, primary reason was to piss off my family a little bit because I was rebellious and, you know, I wanted <laughs> to do I something. Did, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the first uh, uh, person in, in my family, in my generation to, to join the military. So it's not like I had people to look up to where I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I just kind of did it on my own. Um, But it was kind of the same reason, honestly. I was in a really competitive journalism program at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And 
I got in uh, to their school and they were really strict about the grades that you needed to get. I partied a little too much my first semester, so I got booted and waitlisted um, from the school and they said, we're not gonna consider you unless you turn it around your second semester freshman year. So I was kind of panicking and I was like, oh, okay, I need to like think of something because I might be kicked out of college. And um, you know, I looked at ROTC and same program as a way to pay for school. Um, and I got wrapped up in my journalism career while I was doing that program. So I was a little bit of the black sheep, both within the military community and the media community while I was going through all of that. So that was an interesting learning curve, but, um, same thing. I did not know what to expect with the military. Yeah. I got to Italy. I was 22 years old. Benghazi had just happened and I was kind of put in charge of the crisis communication strategy for, for all of that as a 22 year old. So wow. I spent only two years in Italy, but really I aged like 10 years of my life <laughs> in my maturity. Um, but it was such a good experience and it really set uh, everything up for what I ended up doing later on in my life, both with the military and outside of the military. Mm. So yeah, kind of same deal. So when yeah. you leave the military, um, it, can't be, it can't be easy because it's such a struggle. My understanding is I'm not being there. Yeah. I did go to a boys' boarding school. Yeah, uh, similar. <laughs> yeah. A similar. Yeah, a lot of the hazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Transferable. Yeah, there's, there's a shit ton of structure. Mm -hmm. Do this, do that. And, and yeah, it's, it, it strikes me as you know, a real level of indoctrination. And that can become part of your, I can imagine you're part of your identity. So when that's pulled out or you, it's no longer there. Yeah, you're kind of fed a, a sense of purpose when you're in. So yeah. that, at least for me, when I got out, um, it felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from under me purpose-wise. You know, I, I took a job as a pharmaceutical salesman. So, you know, selling pharmaceutical drugs, pretty easy. It's lucrative. But it was just, it felt like I was spinning my wheels. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't get any. Yes, exactly. And I was having the same conversation with doctors and clinics, and it was just the day in, yeah. day out. It was Groundhog's Day. Same yeah. stuff every single day. And that was, you didn't get that in the military. You had no. kind of the, the fraternity or the brotherhood. Uh, I was in a, a combat-centric job, so it was uh, almost entirely male uh, men in that job. So it was definitely like a brotherhood too. Yeah. So the, the support structure around that, you had friends built in, you worked out every morning, then you worked yeah. with them in the office and then you deployed and went to war with them. So there was like a very strong bond, even with people yeah. that you didn't, you had nothing in common with. I suppose even the training is, is, from my understanding, is like the pursuit of excellence because your life, it depends upon Yes, it. absolutely. Yes. Not everybody wants to aspire to excellence. You're a hundred percent. Everyone quite enjoys diving down to the lowest common denominator. No, you're a hundred percent right mm -hmm. on that. Um, my job is very competitive too. So like everybody was striving, they were pushing each other to get better. And if you weren't good, like you were ostracized. That was, if yeah. you didn't take your job seriously, that was, you were the lowest common denominator. People didn't want to be around you. So yeah. it really didn't matter where you stood politically, uh, what what your personality type was, even your sexual orientation, any of that stuff. It didn't matter. If you were trying to be the best in your job, yeah. you were part of the brotherhood. And yeah. that's it. So going into civilian world, it, it definitely wasn't like that. You hit the nail on the head. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, they tell you when you're transitioning out of the military, they make you go through this like very short abbreviated course um, where they teach you how to write a resume and try mm. to integrate you back into civilian life. And for me, it was <laughs> easier. That's Seriously. So I know. Yeah. Real life. Like it is, it's, you go through it, it's a requirement. And for me, I had a civilian career before the military, so it wasn't as daunting for me to leave. Um, but a lot of people, if you're doing that for 20 years mm. um, and you've never had to write a resume, before you've never had to compete for a job before like all of that I mean it's just it's so much all at once to deal with and um, a lot of people struggle with um, you know just having a community outside of the military a community who understands who has gone through it um, who maybe saw the same stuff you have good or bad Mm. and really the brotherhood it is so tight and it's it's for in the US what is it one percent the population is yeah. military. Yep. So you're just already such a smallest per- percentage. And, and yeah. that is really, really tough. And even me, someone who did stuff before the military to get out, I struggled as well to kind of find that balance and mm. find people who really could understand what I went through. Because I would say combat camera and they'd be like, oh, that's what? <laughs> like, yeah. that's cool. But can you run an ad campaign with yeah. Google AdWords? And I'm like, yeah. what? I never had to do that. But my skills are like so much more qualified than. And so it's it's tough trying to explain that to people. Yeah. And and that in and of itself is like a whole new journey where you have to kind of reinvent yourself and, and find yourself yeah. again. And surely that in there as well, you know, you'll have seen some stuff. Yes. You'll have been in some stressful, traumatic situations. That's true. Yes. Yeah. 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 Much support for that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. They're the the military is getting a lot better with it. I'm not going to say they're perfect. I think the suicide rates um kind of show that they're not. Um, Mm. the suicide rates have held pretty consistently high over the last several years, and I think that's a byproduct of almost 20 years of war. You know, Mm. that's um. But they're they're figuring it out. I think they understand that it takes a lot more back end support. For psychologically um, to remove that stigma. I know I went through some real low points when I got out. When I was in, it was just like, okay, this is the running pace. I can keep pace here. Everybody's, we're all in it. We all get it. And then, yes, it absolutely is normalized. And then I took myself out of that situation and I lost that brotherhood, that support. And uh, I felt isolated. And we'd done the distance thing. We'd gone back and forth. And it was just, it just compounds and compounds and compounds until you're at the point where you're like, whoa, how, how did I get here? How did, yeah. Mentally, how did, I, how did I let myself slip to this point where yeah. my brain is now poisoning me with, you know. What were some of the things that was poisoning you? Uh, I mean, you, have, you just have uh, like the depression, you have suicidal thoughts, but not necessarily like you want to kill yourself. You just yeah. like you start feeling that way and you start like having these, these images in your head. And you're like, I, I know this is wrong. How long have I been feeling this way? How I, why aren't I talking about this? And uh, yeah. like, and it, I think a lot of that is the self is a stigma self derived. You know, you don't want to feel weak. You don't want to. Um, coming from the forces. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you you know people who have seen way worse than you, done yeah. way harder things than you. So like, can I justify feeling this bad about myself? Even yeah. you know, and you start feeling like that, and you start like, okay, unpack that, put that on the side, and then start understanding the thoughts you're having and the depression you're in um 
And I think that's like one of the first steps of getting out of it is you're like, okay, my brain is poisoning me right now. Yes. I can't trust my brain. And then you start kind of digging yourself out. You start treating yourself better, making sure you're taking care of yourself physically, drinking enough water, not drinking as much booze, you know, like that's, uh, you start just getting back on the right track and realizing, oh, okay, I don't have the same support structure yeah. with the same people around me that have been through the same things. I have to take care of myself in a different way. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's interesting too because um, PTSD and the effects of it it can hit you differently and at different variables at different times and a lot of people they do like repeat deployments and they think well I've done this before and it was okay you know mm. I, I did this uh, the last deployment that I went on was over the <clears> summer <throat> and it meant more long distance for us and yeah. I remember thinking going into it well we've done longer distance apart we've we've done this before multiple times like it'll be okay and and it affected us differently this time seemingly out of nowhere um i think just because it was we'd been doing it for so long that finally our brain was just like no like this isn't okay like yeah you need it's to like start scaffolding and support yeah that you put around to make it okay exactly weakens because because it's stressed um, yeah because it's, well, it's only scaffolding yes you build to tell yourself a story, to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Right. But it's not really real. It's yeah. temporary for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that has been a very recent struggle for us and, and something that we had to navigate through our relationship. And, and we talk about it a little bit on our podcast, I think episode five, we really like dive deep into yeah. what that did to our relationship and how we got through that and, and all that good stuff. So, oh, yeah. yeah. We'll come to the podcast in a minute. Yeah. So, um, Australia. Yes. How, why? <laughs> so, I mean, we both lived abroad. So I think one of the, the commonalities we share is, is the, the need or the lust for adventure, something yeah. something more, um, and wanting to travel. And we both lived abroad, um, and it, it's great living wild places, but living in a place that speaks English is definitely very convenient. So we knew yes. we wanted to live abroad again, um, and we'd both seen Europe, and to be honest, England is kind of a bore. So yeah. we figured, let's go <laughs> let's go to Australia. They have yeah. a, they seem to have the infrastructure for kind of a backpacker's van life, which which I think would suit us mm-hmm. to do, to try long-term, or short-term, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's essentially the first step in why we chose Australia. Yeah. What did you yeah. know about Australia beforehand? Oh, oh, crocodile Dundee. Yeah, <laughs> the animals are going to kill Yeah, they, they got a bunch of crocodiles. Yeah. yeah. Crocodiles, poisonous snakes, tarantulas, uh, yeah. great white sharks. Yeah. The, the boomerangs. <laughs> Outback. So this is just like some mythical National Geographic place. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. So, so where did the idea or the inkling to come to Australia come about? Oh, in the last year. Last right? year, well, we kind of kicked it around. You know, it'd be great if we if we lived in Australia for a little while, and then we we're like, yeah, that would be great. I think we could do that, and we're trying to find a time to do it. And I just liked my job. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie was coming back from her deployment, and we were kind of looking at our schedule, and we're like, if, if we don't do it now, yeah. you know, we're never going to do it. Exactly. You know, we're engaged, so we're going to be married. We'll likely have kids at some point. So if all those things start things. coming, yeah, we can't do it after that. Yeah. So we're just like, if we're going to do it, let's Now's quit our jobs and let's let's make the move. Yeah. And we did mm. that about, yeah, two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Was there anything, like, obviously, I mean, I don't know, you, you don't strike me as, like, mainly obsessive planners that you've got every day planned out. 
No. Um, you know, like, <laughs> we'll go here and we'll do this sort of thing. Yeah. But did you have any sort of idea about what you wanted to get out of the trip before? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been doing that for several years at this point. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go to a place. More about that. Yeah, I wanted to go to a place that speaks English because of what I didn't want to take a step back in my yeah. in my growth as a stand-up comedian. And Australia has a pretty vibrant scene. Yeah. Um, though there there are pockets, you know, there's a pocket in Perth. There's a little bit in Adelaide, mm. Melbourne, Sydney are obviously big markets. Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so. You know, we figure if yeah. we're going to travel around, we can grab a van, travel to all these places. I want to get good at stand-up. I want to yeah. get better at stand-up. I think I'm okay. Um, yeah. And we wanted to get our podcast going, like with good content, stuff that people would find interesting. Yeah. And van lifing through Australia, we thought was would be compelling content for two veterans with a different worldview, yeah. um, with stand-up com- comedy, and as a content creator and photographer. Yeah. That would be a pretty good... For sure. Yeah. So I do um, content creation for various travel clients, one of them being Tastemade Travel. It's a big uh, online social media-esque mm. uh, travel content hub based in LA and New York. Um, and so Australia, I mean, that's so easy to get travel content because you guys have everything here, right? <laughs> like you obviously have the beaches, you have amazing, vibrant, diverse cities. Yeah, the um, colors and yeah, yeah, you got the outback. Like you just have a lot that, um, you know, everyone goes to Europe for like their Euro trip. They go to Southeast Asia, they do Bali. Um, so I think people are kind of itching to see what else is out there. And Australia, I don't want to say is underrepresented, but I think there's just so much that people assume about Australia, stuff that we assumed about Australia that just barely hits the surface, right? Like it's just a glacier of stuff to do. And, and we've been so surprised since being here, some of the places we've seen, like Esperance oh. blew our minds. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, like yeah. the Nullarbor, I didn't even know that was a thing before we had to trek across it. So it's just, there's a lot that I think people don't know about Australia that is fun and cool and different mm. and exciting. And, and for travel companies around the world, they want that content. Mm. So and people, no brainer. In this context, people meaning, you know, guys back in America. Yeah, well, foreigners, anybody yeah. anybody who would travel here. We've met a lot of Europeans. We bought our, mm. our van from a, from a European. Yeah, an Estonian uh, guy. Yeah, an Estonian. <laughs> so I think there's a, everybody's kind of interested in coming to Australia. Yeah. And I, mm. I mean, we love showcasing it. Yeah. yeah. So what was, before you got here, what was reception from, you know, close friends and family when you went, hey, we're going to clear her off for a year and live in a van in Australia. I was, what? You know, like, that's exactly at least my family was like wait what are you doing like you're 30 years old shouldn't you be maybe living in the house that you bought or shouldn't you be trying to get like a well-paying job somewhere um so mm. there, it was shock uh, from my friends and family yeah a little bit. caution concern from my yeah. family uh but i think my friends there was a definitely a tinge of jealousy oh yeah sure. yeah when we were telling them they were just like oh so many people talk about that. You guys are actually doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's I think there's a, right. a feeling that a lot of people wish they could just pick up and go a yeah. little bit more than they can. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. You would you would trigger off a few people who are like, oh, yes. God, you're doing that. You can just you can just leave it behind. You're doing <laughs> it. You're just trying to make it happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that coupled with triggering off other people who are giving you the shoots. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. The whole linear life journey. Oh, you've done this now. So now the next step is this. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be this. And then mm-hmm. it's going to be that. Well, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we both like uh, what I did in the Air Force was, you know, highly selective, very difficult thing. And it was kind of like living out a, a childhood dream, you yeah. know. Uh, so, I, you know, you'd already checked. You already lived one lifetime is what yeah. I, is how I felt. Yeah. So let's do something else that's crazy, that's fulfilling, and uh, different. yeah, that will that will stroke all those all those urges that I have for adventure. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. So briefly, you've been here what a couple of months? Here yeah, two so. months. We just uh, eclipsed the two month mark. Yeah. Cool. Places you've been to? Just summary. So we started in uh, Melbourne, yeah. and then we moved over to Adelaide. We stopped a couple of places on the way: Cactus mm-hmm. Beach, Port Coffin Lincoln. Bay, Port yeah. Lincoln, and Esperance. And now out here in Perth. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I have to ask: There's the two of you in that little van, which I've seen outside. Uh-huh. How do you function as a couple? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With occasional uh, headphone breaks. <laughs> From each other, but it's become a culture. Uh, it's a little well, bit. They're not a crucible. <laughs> <laughs> it on, it's, so far, it hasn't been that bad. Um, I mean, what have you learned about actually, because particularly because you were saying you know you were on deployment uh-huh. for a period of time, so you know, absence and distance make the heart grow fonder, and you yeah. idealize people, and mm. da, 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 and now, boom. Now it's extreme. Yeah, yeah the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think you hit a good point. I have already learned so much about Pat, just having to live in such a small space for such a long period of time. And back in the States, even when we were together, um, we kind of had our own lives a little bit still. Like mm. Pat obviously still did comedy. He had friends who did comedy. I um, did other stuff. I did content creation. I had friends who were photographers in the area who I went to school with. So we were always able to take that break if we needed it. But here, it's a lot harder to take that break because mm. we have to at least drive to the same spot <laughs> yeah. together to take that break. So um, I don't know. For me, I've just I've learned so much about Pat. And mm. um, but you have to instill some real boundaries. And actually, like I need time out. So instead yeah. of just because this is me, and I might be talking across you, Pat, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to take the natural break. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'm going to work now. Or, yes. Yeah, my friend rang up and asked me want to go for a drink. Uh-huh. I'm going to do that, you know. So you get your little time. But here in the crucible of the van, it's like, I want some time. Yeah. So, so that means I'm selfishly taking time out for me. Yeah. So, no, like, we do, like, what I've learned is how to communicate, I think, a little bit just like, Directly, when I'm feeling that way, I can just say, hey, I'm going to read. I'm going to grab this book. I'm just going to go sit on the beach for, you know, I just need, I need nothing. I need to just be alone for a sec. Yeah, yeah. And take a walk. Yeah, and she's done the same. And it's it's, honestly, it's kept us pretty good. Did you get that at the start or did you have to come to a bit of a... We had to kind of, we had to figure it out a right. little bit the hard way I think to, to kind of realize like okay like we need yeah. we need space right yeah. now like, I'm just grumpy we're, yeah right <laughs> we're dehydrated we're tired we haven't slept because we're incognito camping like yeah. okay we we just need a yeah. little bit of a break like yeah. I need to work out he needs to read or listen to a podcast mm. so um, so we've had to kind of come to those climaxes in the in the frustration and and the you know just build up of, of anger just not because of each other per se but yeah. because of us personally just still going through our own 
whatever as mm. we're traveling. Because I think people look at what we're doing and they think, oh my God, you guys are doing a year long vacation. That is so oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, we're, but it's, it's still life. Not holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, yeah. I, I, I remember one of the most fucking irritating things in my life is 1998. I went to South America for four and a half months, right? Nice. Blew my brains out. Yeah. Right, and I came back and, and somebody in the local town went, how was your big holiday? And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> 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 yeah, you still have to yeah. live. You still go yeah. through life, even if it's in a different place. Yeah. 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 I think what? people assume as long as you're not home, you're just on vacation. That's definitely not the case. Mm. It hasn't been bad, though. I, I honestly, I mean... Is it the, I haven't had to take that much time. It's not like every day I need a break yeah. from her. It's just like every once in a while, if I'm driving, I'll just put on a podcast. It's just kind of for me, and she'll sit and edit her stuff. And we just have, yeah. we take our breaks and focus on like whatever it is that mm. we're doing independently. But we're never too far apart. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the great thing about that is you're learning how to, you know, self care. Yes. Still in that close environment. Of the relationship yeah and forces you to put like her i have to continually think about her needs because if i'm not meeting them uh she's gonna bite my head off you know like <laughs> i'm gonna make her irritable and grouchy just making sure that you know i'm rubbing her back as the sun goes down that type of thing you know i'm not yeah. i'm not closed off you know i'm not yeah. thinking internally all the time i'm taking yeah. care of her as much as i can because that that still pays off for me you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. keeping her happy uh, makes me less grouchy as well. You know, and I think she's found the same same. We've yeah. I think it's just certainly helped us grow. If anything, it's made yeah. me more sure of my my uh, my efforts to marry the woman. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I mean it, it's taught it's taught me at least what you do to self soothe. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. your self care routine looks like. Because like I said back in the states, it was easy just to be like, all right, I'm gonna get a drink with friends. And then we're separate. We're doing our own thing, but we're not seeing what the yeah. other person needs to, you know, self do. So it's I've been able to see that firsthand, really kind of for the first time. And be like, oh, okay, this is what makes him happy in these times yeah. of stress. Like, and I'll this is make what sure he needs to, to, do, to do life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just it's been a crazy learning curve, all for the better, I think. Yeah. yeah. But you do hear the nightmare stories. I I follow a couple of van life influencers on social media. And there was this one girl who was, same deal, engaged. They were going to do the whole thing in Australia. They got two weeks in and called off oh the God. wedding. Called really? off everything. Yeah. And she did like a whole emotional post about it. And it really just came down to they were living in this fantasy in their minds their whole life. Like this is the pedestal I've put this person up on. This is how great our life's going to be in the van. And they didn't even consider the stresses and the negatives that come with that. And I think if you live in that mindset, of course it's a recipe for disaster because you need to resolve all conflict within the constraints of the van. You know, you don't have the yeah. option to do anything different. Um, so I do see a lot of crash and burn stories, um, but I, mm. with full confidence, can say that we are not. Yeah, that. we're, keep, we're keeping it all like, off. Yeah. Bring a fire test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. To get recommended for anybody who's engaged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. seriously. <laughs> so see if you want to. Yeah. yeah. So that's you as a couple. Obviously, um, I found when I was traveling that you know you have so much more space and time and less distraction and there are moments you know driving on another boy mm -hmm. just looking out the window and just looking out the window yeah. looking out the window and so stuff will come up 
Um, you know, and it can be awkward, it can be exciting, it can be you know, tear jerking and stuff like that. What sort of stuff? So that you know, that we talked about you two together, but mm-hmm. what about individually as well? Mm. This is one because I found that traveling is also one of the most cathartic and healing things you can do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, uh, I mean, I I stress out about you know breaking off from that, like you said that. Uh, step-by-step success uh, through life like oh you're at this part of your life now you got to go do yeah. this so oh, you bought a house and so now you got to get married and you got to have a kid so you know I grew up a pretty conservative family uh, raised Catholic so very tight structure so uh, there's still parts of me that are like oh my god I'm breaking from all of that structure yeah is am I making a huge mistake am I you know I've Ali has hitched her wagon to me a little bit. Am I taking, am I ruining her life? You know, I'm like going through these things of like self-doubt that I have to kind of, yeah. I have to extinguish myself and like tell myself, this is my, this is our life. This is my life. This is, these are the choices I get to make because I'm in charge of my own, my own shit. So then, yeah. and, and I'm. Form your own identity. Yes, exactly. And so I have to keep kind of coaching myself to that point where it's just like, I don't trust the structure. There are plenty of people who have followed those steps to ruin. You know, there are <laughs> tons of people who have followed those steps to deep unhappiness. Yeah. And yeah. what I'm doing is is uh, I'm making me happy, and I think it's making. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, you, you, anytime he has happy. those doubts, I'm like, shut up. Look at where we are. Look at what we're doing. This is the coolest thing mm-hmm. I've ever done in my life, and it's because of you. It's because of your support. It's because you're doing this with me. You know. So sometimes we can get just inundated with the stress of like doubt and is this what I'm supposed to be doing like am I meeting these uh these benchmarks that I've made for myself and all mm. of these different categories of my life but Stories I mean pressure yeah it's and we what reality exactly should, should and be. social yes. media doesn't help right it makes things worse because you see the best of oh, everyone else's yeah, life idealized everything. you see that perfect excellent slither of their life and then you yeah. perfect excellent slither of someone else's yes. and, and you stick all those slithers together and it's exactly. like I'm shit compared <laughs> yeah, to that yeah I just have to force myself to kind of snap out of it and be Mm. like this is like we're doing something really cool Mm. right now like and this is just we're never going to be able to do anything of this magnitude at least for a while after this so i mean i'm loving every minute of it the good and the bad is truly it's interesting you bring up the 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 social media as well because Mm -hmm. A big thing that I've, I've been thinking about and deep diving in just in the last couple of weeks because I'm quite a stickler for my podcast in that um, I've done two two interviews via Zoom in the whole time and I didn't enjoy them and I, I plan never to do it again. Yeah. Unless, I don't know, like, you know, the Queen rings me up. So I'd really love to be on WA right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would but, you know, I, I make a real point of having the real conversation with people it means I get to meet different and interesting people and I've been deep diving more into this and the fact that you know when people talk they're exchanging information like at so many different levels you know you know the way our heart beats you know is talking to one another where we're breathing is all syncing up because we're all in rapport our pheromones mm. this so much level so so much on so many levels and also when you do actually have a proper real conversation with someone um, you, 
it helps to shape and maintain your identity. Whereas, you know, well, social media is not designed to provide that healthy feedback. And so therefore, the place I'm getting to now is just by even me just doing this once a week, twice a week, the amount of times I get to do it, it has a healing cathartic fact for me as a human, right? And so the other thing I wanted to ask you guys was because you'll be meeting new and interesting people, like even when you go to the fucking shop, right? Yeah. Because they're just different. Yes. Because you're from America and this is Australia. So how have you found that? Uh, kind of, we were talking about that this morning a little bit. Um, people are very outgoing. You know, they, uh, we had a conversation while we were grilling up a little bacon at the park today mm-hmm. and there was over, I don't know, 40 meters away. Some guy throwing a stick with his dog was, was chatting with us, just hollering like, Oh, where are you guys from? And we're like, Oh, the, the States. And he was like, how oh, you loving it here? <laughs> and we're loving it. Yes. And, uh, like people are funny. They're, uh, they're quick to make a joke you know and I, I feel like I don't know people are a little bit more closed off in the states mm. I don't know if it's because they're absorbed with their phone or whatever they've got going on mm. or maybe we're just used to people in the city uh, mm. kind of having that bristled uh, approach to life but people are very very forthright in like throwing yeah. a comment your way like joking around with you we saw a woman on the beach who was just commented on your bikini oh, and yeah. was just like, oh, I can't wear that. And then like hiked it up her butt cheeks and was like, see? And we're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like, what are you doing? You are wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been pretty nice. People are very, very kind yeah. and they're uh, warm, I guess, is really the, the warm you, conversation. Yeah. Have you found yourself getting pulled into some really, what I would call, two types of conversations to me there's a transactional one hey mm. enjoyed it yeah yeah you're always from the states yeah yeah you love in australia yeah we're proud of australia da, da, da. Yeah. but then there's the more deeper relational ones where you get to super relate to people and exchange ideas yeah. you must be getting i find that mostly with uh the friends i've made in comedy yes. so far yeah. Uh, yeah. people are like very they're very interested in my point of view being from the states which has a very robust stand-up comedy uh environment um so does Australia. So they're like they're picking my brain about that. Next thing you know, we're talking kind of worldview stuff and kind of their mm. life philosophy, and it's just it kind of grows and grows and grows. And uh, we've made some pretty good friends that way. Yeah, yeah. it's been so unreal. So we started in Melbourne um, doing the Work Away program. Are you I familiar? Said it's been so real, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, and it was like a, a horrible situation. We had like a, a psycho as a host that so we were trying to get out of the situation. And um, we didn't have the van yet. We didn't have any sort of like accommodation. So we reached out on couch surfing, which is something I did in my 20s when I was backpacking Europe. I haven't done it since. Is it a website? It is. So it's a website <laughs> where people offer up their couch for free in exchange for just a good hang, really. Like someone to meet who's, who's foreign, who's traveling through. And you're supposed to kind of do like, you know, cook your local food for them or, you know, exchange something. But everything's for free. Yeah. Um, which... It's more of an energetic exchange. It yes. is. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that really died off after Airbnb uh, came yeah. about because then people were like, well, I can just rent out my couch and make money. Yeah. And so I'm going to do that instead. Um, yeah. So the, the network died quite a bit but we met this guy um this indian guy named kartik 
on it who took us in super last minute. Yeah, he was new to Melbourne. We were new to Melbourne, Melbourne, yeah. and he, he was just cool. Yeah, we like slept on his floor. He lived in this like high rise apartment. He had a beautiful view of the city, and it was just like amazing. He was like an angel. He truly like saved us. <laughs> yeah, he got us out of a of the, that work away thing. Was mm. was uh was. Uh, almost abusive we were almost like indentured servants there we we're yeah. like okay we got to get out of here and yeah. came to the rescue and it's a pretty was good dude amazing we stayed for like a couple days and just enough to buy the van um but then we also met a scottish comedian in adelaide who our very first night in adelaide we did he did the comedy show we had a couple beers with him and he's like why don't you stay the night at my place like i usually airbnb it out anyway you guys are cool if you need a place to crash and he let us stay for like a week yeah a over. <laughs> on the beach yeah right on the beach great great fellow a scottish dude named baz so yeah. shout out to baz and yeah. so it's just we've just been blown away by yeah, the people we've met and the generosity and people who like baz the scottish guy he had done van life before so he was kind of just paying it forward he was like yeah. i know where you guys are what, what you're doing what you're going through and i know yeah. i would have appreciated this had i been going around the country so here you go like nice. place is yours i was like yeah. this is unbelievable go to a go to a stand-up show they'll like grab my notebook and they're like you got to talk yeah. to this guy you got to go to this place you got to check this dude out contact this person and then yeah. they'll like, and then they set you up for the whole week and you're like okay i got I, now i have plans every night yeah which yeah. is pretty cool and there's something about just sort of you know, if you were back at home, you'd be making it happen, controlling it, forcing the shit out of life. Yes. And there's a certain amount of surrender and allowing. Yeah. And, and, and just trusting and, and allowing the generosity of others. It's just being open to that, I think, is is really been the mm. difference. Mm. We've been open and they've people have really stepped up and helped when we've needed it. And even when we haven't, people have been pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, back home, you have so much more. You have a roof over your head. You have a network of friends. You have a job. So you don't really need or seek out any of that extra stuff. You're not looking for extra friends. You're not looking for things to do on the weekend because you have friends that have plans who invite you out. So when you give all of that up and you're just vulnerable and it's literally just you and a vehicle and you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're staying every night, I think, I mean, you're just... You have to be open mm. to all of that because, I mean, you don't have anything to hang on to. Vast ocean of possibility and probability. Yeah, yeah, you just find that people are pretty cool. You know, people are pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been super cool to see that all firsthand. So this isn't just a swan about. You're doing content creation mm-hmm. and you're being a stand-up comic. That's right. Tell me a bit more about the, the content creation and, and is that actually earning you some money while you travel? It is. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, content creation is actually kind of a new career. When I went to college, I wasn't taking courses on content, content creation. Content? So it's, it's essentially now anyone with photo, video, editing background. So anything that uh, you can sell to a company to exist on something like social media that they can promote, whatever. So um, in the past, I used to do like photojournalism. So usually you're employed with a newspaper and you take photos for this newspaper and you write articles for the newspaper. It's just you're employed by one entity. But now because everything is just so fluid and uh, it doesn't really matter where a photo comes from anymore, um, companies 
that whether it's selling a product or like a travel company like Tastemade Travel, they just want people to create content for them. Doesn't matter. They don't have to be employed with that organization. They can just say, "Hey, I like your work. I want you to make a video on this, this, and this that we're going to use to promote our brand." Cool. So it's just now become like a pool. Like everyone now is in the same pool. You don't really. You're not employed with an organization unless you're really, really, really good and yeah. they're like a repeat, whatever. So. Um, so I started doing actual content creation right after I got out of the military. Uh, I got hired for like a four month gig with a company called Semester at Sea. And it's a program that sails around the world and it's open to college students, um, based in the US, but open to anybody. So anyone mm -hmm. can apply and do just a semester at sea. <clears throat> um, so I was the lead photographer for that. I was in charge of all their social media. Uh, so I was literally just hired for the four months to create as much travel content in whatever capacity I thought was appropriate. So mm. photos, videos, social media, snacks, whatever. Um, so now there's like a real boom for that. And there's been a real rise in creatives, they call themselves now. Um, so like Taste Made Travel, I got hired on as a um, freelance filmmaker for them in July. Um, and it's awesome. Like, they pay me per video. And uh, if it's something that they like, they'll pay me. If it's something they don't like, um, you know, I don't get paid. So it has to be good. Oh, like it has to yeah, be. Yeah, feedback on your work. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I haven't actually dealt with that. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the risk with freelancers is because yeah. you're not actually employed because you're not working by the hour. Like everything has to be your best. Like, and there's you're competing with yourself constantly because you're like, I want to get paid, so this has to be good. Yeah. Like I have to make this yeah. good. Um, so that's been super flexible because basically what I do is I just pitch ideas um, along our route, the places that we've been that I think they'd be interested in covering. And if they green light it, then I go, I shoot it, I do all the coordination and I produce a product and if they like it, they pay me. So that's made us a little bit of money since being out here. But I also do social media management for various clients in the States. So these are just like startup companies. Um, they're all kind of fair trade-esque because um, mm -hmm. that's really big in America right now. So I just manage their social media accounts from over here. So I schedule all the content out so it gets published at noon Denver time or whatever. And uh, I take content that already exists and I just make it look pretty on like a social media grid. So there's a lot of opportunities now to work abroad, uh, which is awesome. And I've been trying to take as much um, opportunity as I could doing all that. Mm. So Your last video got like two and a half million views. Yeah, like right? 2.7 million oh. views. Yeah, yeah it so was a video on candy canes, you know? So it's random. Like it's, yeah, you it was never a candy know. cane factory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in the States. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. So, so that's been really good for us, um, just in financing the trip along the way and, and getting just better at the thing that I love to do, which is mm. creating content. I like how you've, because um, I think about it, like, you're doing your job wherever you go, in the mm -hmm. place that you go, you as a comedian. Yes. Listener, I'm pointing at Pat. Uh, <laughs> whereas you're still doing a job that's located in America, mm -hmm. but you're doing it remotely. 
Yes. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. I have so much more opportunity to do that. It's awesome. Like the flexibility is crazy. Like sometimes we spend a whole day in a cafe and I just work for like eight hours straight, just doing everything. And then that way, the next couple of days, we don't have to do anything at all. We can just travel and have fun. And so yeah. it's just crazy flexible and, and it allows mm. us to to really do the things that we want to do. And we've gotten to do some cool stuff because of that. Yeah. Like we went to an oyster farm in Coffin Bay. We did shark diving in Port Lincoln. Oh, wow. Sea oh, lion yeah. diving. Yeah. Um, we climbed the Adelaide Oval. Yeah. If you can do that, you can just like walk on yeah. the edge yeah. of yeah. it. So we've just, we've had a good time and it's stuff that we would be doing anyway if we yeah. were here. So we're able to do it for a heavy, heavy discount in exchange for content. Yeah. So. So, stand-up comedian. Yes. Did that start while you were in the forces? Uh, right after. So, right yeah, after. being in the military, they kind of station you away from anything cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, what was this like a yin to yang or something? Uh, no, so I've always, I mean, I've always thought I was kind of funny, and I've always yeah. been a huge stand-up comedy fan. So, as soon as the opportunity presented itself, I moved from upstate New York, where there's uh, nothing funny at all, um, <laughs> to Colorado, where they had a like a pretty vibrant comedy scene. And Allie kind of dared me. She was like, well, you keep talking about it. Why don't you go up, see if you like it. You poke it in. Oh, for bit. sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And uh, I gave it a try. I loved it. Uh, I bombed my first time, but that, you know, I was a little bit delusional thinking I should st still do it. Um, and, and I've been doing it ever since. As many as, many times as I can a week. Getting up. Get um, I guess a little bit of when you do well. Uh, and you hear the crowd laughing consistently, they're laughing hard. I don't know if there's a better feeling than that. Yeah. There's just, uh, you, you own it. it it's, <clears throat> it's the best. You feel like the man, you know? Um, so there's definitely this, <laughs> that's the self-gratification. I like making people laugh, too. There's yeah. a, to me, there's nothing better. So being around funny people is it's awesome. It's just a yeah. very good byproduct of a fun hobby. Have you had to... Um transition your act for Australia um a little uh I find it's it, you can you can poke fun at being American like there's like aspects that you can just shine that wouldn't work being in America so yeah. I can make fun of Americans at large and that's that seems to be yeah probably maybe hackish I don't know if it's hackish I think uh I think I've got a decent perspective but it's uh I can taper it to that so I can yeah. juxtapose Australian life to what I found in America and, and vice versa and that works yeah. pretty well I've got to ask you what's your funniest joke oh my god um, <laughs> I got a bunch that work pretty well but here's I guess a quick one I just started wearing flip flops for the first time in like 30 years my feet are free I'm calling them my Nelson Sandellas <laughs> so that's just a, that's a quick hitter a little wordplay Australia's yeah, like yeah. wordplay yeah Usually, though, someone screams out from the crowd, thongs, the cold thongs. Yeah, and I'm right. just like, all right, here we yeah, go. I'm from England, so I got that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. And seven flip-flops. Yes, yeah. There you go. And, and um, so you said earlier on, this is this is picking up, and you're getting suggestions, and you get the opportunity to. Yeah, um, so the more I do it, uh, I've been doing it for a bunch of years, so I'm not, I'm not bad at it. I'm not a noob. You know, I know how yeah. to handle a crowd. I know how to handle myself. I've got a lot of material. So just coming into a new place is really the only daunting thing. Coming yeah. into, like, going from Melbourne to Adelaide, you got to break into that scene. And every scene is territorial. 
You know, everybody yeah. everybody doesn't want an outsider coming in. If especially oh, who's this new guy? I've never seen him before. He hasn't he hasn't hit every single open mic or every single show. So they they're resistant to to just putting you on unless you're a traveling comedian with credentials and you've you've yeah. opened for big people or you are a big name. Um, yeah. So like breaking into a new scene every time we travel is that's that's probably the biggest challenge or the biggest hurdle. But it only takes one show, and then they're like, "Oh, this person knows what they're doing. Go to this person. You know, talk to this person about yeah. getting booked here. Go to this place. Show up. Sign up here. Sign here's yeah. the Facebook group that we're all a part of. So as soon as you do well, and they realize that you're not some chump moving in on their territory yeah. or their mm-hmm. gigs, or taking you know taking opportunity away from them, they're yeah. extremely helpful. Yeah. But I found every comedy scene is is very consistently territorial, yeah. which is it's kind of fun. Do yeah. <laughs> you guys watch it all the time? I do. Yeah, I probably shouldn't because open mics are just a place to test out your material. Um, so it's not like the highest quality. It's like a showcase, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like I mean, because it's it's usually just yeah, it's it's in a room and people are just trying out new stuff. So it, it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I honestly, I love it. I've learned so much about comedy. I didn't know anything before Pat started doing comedy. I didn't even really watch comedians yeah. ever. Um, but we've, we've gone to live shows with like big names. Um, we've been able to obviously travel a whole bunch and do it. And even though I've heard all of his jokes a million times, I still love seeing the audience react to it. I love seeing, um, you know, the other comedians, uh, and what they have. And comedy is just so... I don't know. Like, it's surprising because I would think that there would be less and less to talk about with comedy. Mm. Like, oh, that joke's already been used. That topic's already been <clears throat> talked about by this person. Like, and, yeah. But every time I go somewhere, there's just a new way to look at things that someone introduces me to, whether it's Pat or another comedian, where I'm like, that is so cool. That's so funny. And I never thought of it that way. And I never would have thought of it had I not gone to that mm. show. Yeah, it's so. all different perspectives. You see... Uh, like I think Dave Chappelle said recently when he accepted some award, he's like, every voice there is is represented in comedy. Every viewpoint mm. somebody has on stage. And like the more you see comedy, the more you realize that's true. There's yeah. it's, uh, tons of different perspectives. And like the comedians generally challenge themselves to find unique takes on old subjects so you see a lot of different a lot of it fails you know there's a lot yeah. that is not funny but uh there's a lot to respect about people just getting up there and, and trying 100%. yeah but again it's a human being standing up there on a stage talking to other human beings yes as um i did a podcast not so long ago with a guy called paul carter who's just it's just full of stories right full of stories it's just like a fantastic life and so it was an opportunity just to sit and listen and I grew up um, with my dad and his friends and they would always be telling jokes and, you know, we'd go to the pub and listen mm-hmm. to them telling jokes, telling stories. And I just thought, oh, this is one of the key things that men do is that they can tell stories and yes. they can tell jokes. And now, jokes seem to be, and for listeners who obviously it's audio, is I'm just doing this, like, which is picking up my iPhone and going, oh, have you seen this one? Yep. And then you go, oh, yeah, that's funny. And, and there is no telling a joke there. There is no social interaction. It's me just showing you something. Yeah, there's it's, no craft to it. There's no personality no beyond it. Yeah. Drawing and then just at the last minute changing the definition of a word to be yes. something else. You're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, you find though that like people are drawn to personality. So the yeah. like the truer uh, a person is on stage yeah. uh, to themselves, 
like the more the audience will buy in. You can tell when putting, someone's putting up a facade, you know, when someone's demonstrating false confidence or even like worse, false modesty. You know, yeah. like, the, and you, like the crowd will ditch you very quickly yeah. if you aren't striving to be the closest version of yourself up yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And so they can, they can, the crowd can smell dishonesty. And so it really forces you to get to know yourself, really take a hard audit of who you are, and bring that person to the yeah. stage. That's the biggest challenge of comedy, in my opinion. You guys are trapping it all in you. Fan life, comedy, do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we decided to double down on, on what we assess we're good at. And yeah. so far, yeah. it's been, it's and, been paying and off. Go and really find out whether that's true or not. Yes, exactly. To, <laughs> yes. As opposed to just... Cruising through the thin veneer of life unchallenged. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we're putting ourselves through the crucible, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you also do a podcast. Yeah, we do. Yes. What's it called? Tell me it's about. called Workout Away, and it's a uh, documents our adventure travel through mm-hmm. Australia, but eventually beyond. Um, kind of my life through comedy, your life through content creation, and our life together through our relationship. Yeah. yeah. So we, we try to leave no stone unturned. I think we're yeah. getting better and better at that as yeah. our episodes go on. Definitely. So, why do a podcast? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Why did we do a podcast? Well, I, I mean, because we, I, we want to show how big and fun the world is. Right. Mm-hmm. And we want to, like, the problems we have, I think, in our relationship, not that they're huge problems or insurmountable problems and not to dwell on the problems but like i think are shared by people you know Mm. i think our perspective as unique as it is is something that is relatable Mm. and i think it's it helps me get closer to my comedy uh helps me get closer to the person i want to be on stage but it helps me get closer to you and i think the more honest we are like i said people are drawn to that and uh, I think we wanted to challenge ourselves creatively. At least I did. Yeah. Well, it also is convenient because people already were like, you guys are going to Australia. You're going to be doing so much cool stuff. Where can we follow that? Like, are you guys going to be blogging? Are you guys going to be like, like giving us mm. updates every month? Like what? And so I think this helps our family stay remotely sane <laughs> so they can tune in every week and hear what, what's going on. But, uh, you know, regardless of what happens on this trip, it'll be nice and like, five, ten years to listen back on these episodes and yeah. relive Australia because yeah. so much gets forgotten in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many trips that I've taken throughout my life where I'm like, oh, I didn't document any of it, and now I can't remember anything. I don't remember who I met, where I went. Like, I just I wish I had something solid that I could look back on, whether it was a, a journal or a blog or, or a podcast. And, mm, they'll take you straight back. Yeah, exactly. So mm. It's interesting that because... Bloke, but when when I travelled, obviously there were no mobile phones. There were, there were certainly no Facebook. Um, I think it was only in 1998 when I went to South America. Did I actually get this thing called Hotmail? Oh, Hotmail! And that was right at the end of the travel, right? And and certainly my parents weren't talking. In fact, <clears throat> I, my parents are here from England, but they were only talking the other day about. Mum was talking about how. Literally, it would be every two to three weeks you'd get like a quick phone call from me from South America going, oh yeah, alive. Yes. <laughs> just enough for the next two or three weeks. Yep. And then she'd li- literally just have to let me go. Yeah. Have to let me go. It's yeah. a different time. Did you prefer that when you travel or do you like the, the interconnectedness now? Um, that's a good question because I think... It's interesting because when you guys talk about the 
actually having the conversations and recording them on the podcast mm-hmm. to me that's something real and tangible obviously yeah. because of what I do but to me I think there's a real power in that and, that, and that's something real and authentic it's everything counts like yeah. look I've just had this for breakfast in Sri Lanka I've just had this for breakfast in Hawaii or da, 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 da. you know it's like really dude like yeah <laughs> you know I remember the first time I went to Byron Bay in 1994 and it's like you know, it's the first place to see the sun come up Mm. in the whole of Australia and everyone's there and they've got like cameras with films in. and when are you taking the picture and I have a camera and I remember just sitting there just going oh, I'm just going to remember this That's I'm great. just going to make a mental note and I went to Byron only four months ago mm-hmm. for the first time since 1994 and I stood up there and, and I can still to this day remember that picture mind you I made a really big conscious effort to yes. do that but yeah so I think there's a real balance between over bloody sharing like just shit yes oh look at me and next this incredible waterfall so what does that mean like really you went to the waterfall and you had that picture and right. and then the chances are since the picture was taken you're like fuck where can I go and have the next picture taken right it's just photo ops yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. and that that gives me the shits right yes and this, yeah. you got me on a little soapbox here um, but the actual journey I still have travel journals and sometimes when I want to access some great part of myself or something different I'm going to sit and read them for and it straight there wow yeah straight there and then what you're doing is the next level up to it which is we're going to record the conversations and things that are coming up for us so mm-hmm. yeah what's been the reception of it uh, overwhelmingly positive the more the more raw we keep it like the more honest we are in our travels like we we had that episode where I talked about my depression and our time mm-hmm. apart and all of that, and we got uh, really good feedback on yeah. that. I was worried right before we put it out. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know how this is going to be yeah. received, you know, but, but yeah. I started getting butterflies about it. And uh, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. People still kind of write me and say, well, thanks, thanks for that episode. I didn't know yeah. you were going through that. Or they yeah. reach out, hey, I know I'm not in your circle, but feel free to reach out if you're ever feeling that way. And it's just like, wow, people, that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, being open, honest, being real, I think is really what, the, what it comes down yeah. to. Is if you're not putting on a facade, people people be drawn to that. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. <laughs> I think this, I found that the more selfish I am about the podcast, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the more selfish, like, like this. I really want to talk to this person about this, and so I will ask the questions that I see, and then oh, that seems to bring people in. Yeah, interesting. It's real, and it's yeah. you know, curiosity led, and it's exploratory and expansive. It's yes, like, absolutely. The the fewer veneers there are between you and and the people that you're trying to talk to, the better. Yeah, you know, and and you know when I say selfish, sometimes you know. I have the conversations that I want and if and, and I capture them and if everybody else listens to it and enjoys it, then that's a bonus too. That's a, that's yeah. great. And that in and of itself becomes even more. Yes, absolutely. And people are drawn to enthusiasm. Mm. You know, that's magnetic. Yeah. Motivated people motivate people. Yeah. Enthusiastic people enthuse people. Yeah. 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 So switch and tack now. I read something ages ago and it's probably completely untrue, but it says something like such a small percentage of Americans actually have passports, right? Yeah. And because uh, of that, we don't really see many of them travel. And then there's another thing about, you know, there's so much in America, we can just travel inside of it anyway. So, you know, 
if that's true, you guys are kind of rare in the fact that you've left the shores of America. Yeah. Um, so what, how do you find Australians receiving you as Americans? Uh, pretty good, with the exception of like leaving America at this time is uh, it's kind of welcome because there's everything so politically divided. Yeah. You know, you can't get away from politics in America. Yeah. Coming to Australia. Kind of, except uh, there's a there's like a sect of Australians that want to talk to us about American yeah. politics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah. we get that question. Guess what? You ain't getting that. Yeah, well, excellent. I mean, not that we're fans of them, but you know that we don't care to talk about politics. We've we're happy to leave that back in America for dumb people to argue. You know, we're we have no desire to do that. And I found that with I guess more just mm. kind of hacky comedians who will come up to us and say, "Oh, yeah, I did those Donald Trump jokes? How'd you feel about them?" It's like, oh, other than the fact that I've heard them before, yeah, I'm fine with them. I don't care. Yeah. You know, um, so I. That's, that's kind of what I've found, is people are very welcoming to us. Um, they've treated us pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, outside of the mm-hmm. rare political talk, it's been great. Yeah, I think most of it is just genuine curiosity because um, some of the work that I do uh, still with the military as a reservist is back in the UK, actually. And uh, I was there when Boris Johnson was elected and, and the Brexit, all that stuff going on. And I think it's natural to have an opinion about something that is just so crazy and hmm. is something that you don't see very often. And I think that's okay. That's tolerable, in my opinion, where people are like, hmm. oh my gosh, this is happening. This is what I've heard. This is true, whatever. Um, it's the people who think that they know more <laughs> or what to do yeah. better that talk to you about it where they're like, well, you're like, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. That's where it gets a little irritating because then it, it doesn't really matter if it's Trump or, or Democrats or, or whoever is policy. Now it just feels like you're just talking shit about America. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of feels like, okay, well, I'm still American. You know, yeah. I might not support X, Y, and C, but like, I mean, come on. It's still yeah. my country. And if you, you talk shit about it, I'm going to defend it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Have you, since in your time here in Australia, have you taken, have you learned stuff about Australians and Australian culture that you think, oh, they take something like that? Hmm. I think, uh, I think the willingness to engage in any conversation or just yeah. like throw, throw a line to somebody <laughs> that you just see, um, that I miss. I didn't realize I missed that. If it, everywhere I've been, it still feels kind of like a small town. People are willing to engage with you, even if it's just walking by throw you a joke, throw you a line. I remember we were at the library and um, this uh, librarian was uh, reaching across the, just some metal bar to toss a book to a guy who had asked for it. And uh, she tosses it and it was the kind of a, the throw went a scant and the guy missed the catch. And she just looks at me and goes, it was a shite throw, but it was also a shite catch. And, you know, like, and I was just like, oh, my God, that's great. She didn't have to engage with me on that. I was just sitting there watching the interaction and she just threw a line my way. And I like that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. it's got a warmer feel personality-wise. So yeah. I think I'll bring a lot more of that back. What it's opened me up. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Oh, I can tell you what has been frustrating about the culture. Oh, <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? No, this is so like basic and like people are going to listen and be like, oh, really? 
But we came to Australia under the assumption that the coffee here was going to be to die for. And I worked at Starbucks. Like, we love coffee. We drink it every day. Yeah. So I was like, I'm so excited for this coffee. I'll tell you what, the coffee here, not great. Not great. You can't just get a just a cup of drip coffee. Just normal, run-of-the-mill. Yeah. Can't find it. No, they're very judgmental if you ask. They're yeah. like, I, in Starbucks, we asked for drip coffee, and they're like, well, we're going to have to heat up a whole batch because no one orders it. Are you sure that's what you want? Like, not saying that directly, but basically saying that. Like, okay, yeah. well, we have to make a fresh, fresh batch. But no, they, the coffee here is just like Americano. It's like the espresso with, yeah. with water, which is, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's different. And I was just like, oh, man, I was so looking forward to good coffee, and I, I just... Like where where do you guys where's the shit coffee that, that we miss? The yeah, shit coffee that you guys don't even want to deal with. Like where is that? Give that to us. That's what we well, want. Coffee turkey's disappeared into this level of pretense that <laughs> yes, it, yeah, yeah. It definitely has. If it doesn't have foam, didn't take ten minutes to make, it's not yeah, worth drinking. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I don't want it to look yeah. like a leaf. I want it to just be dark black and so I can drink it to stay awake. Wait. Yeah. That's what I want. Excellent. Yeah. Super. So that's what kind of brings me to WA. Yes. And so with my podcast, often I ask people about, you know, what was it like growing up in Western Australia? Mm-hmm. Why did you come here? Da, 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 da. And that's usually one of the first questions I ask out of the box. Right? Okay. But I kind of left that until last of that. Excellent. So yeah, you know, it is WA real. So the reason why I call it that is A, it's because the real conversation which we're having, but also at WA, and I'm always intrigued to understand you know, people's view and stuff like that. And, you know, since you've been in this enormous, vast, isolated state of us, <laughs> tell me about the vibe, tell me about the people, tell me about the things that you've noticed. You want to go first? Sure. Well, good, it's... Good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. Perfect. You'll get all of it. Um, so... We were not initially going to come to Perth um, for a while. I think yeah. our original route, we were going to start in Melbourne and then go east. Um, mm. But we had to register the van in South Australia. So mm. we had to go to Adelaide. And we were only going to be in Adelaide for a little bit. But then we met Baz. He was extremely kind and gave us crazy good hospitality on the beach. So we stayed longer. Um, but he was the one who actually recommended, like, hey, due to the weather, it might be in your best interest to go west and then maybe come back around and then do the East Coast last. And we're yeah. like, okay, well, there's... Yeah, good, good advice. Yeah, so so we headed out this way. And it was, you know, South Australia ends with the Nullivore, essentially. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it was like this literal and figurative, just like brand new, like you, you cross the Nullivore into West Australia and it's just like you start to see trees and you start to see vegetation and animals. And then you get to our first real stop was in Esperance. And it was like the most beautiful beach we've seen since coming here. And we've tried to go to a lot like in the Adelaide area in Melbourne. Mm. And we were just so blown away. We're like, we, this is gorgeous. And then we got to Perth and it's just, it's so different. Um, Mostly in a good way, just because it's so isolated. See, mm. I, I feel like you don't get the pretentious city folk here that you might get in some of the more populated areas. Um, they, like Melbourne was a little more rigid and hardened, kind of like New York or Chicago back in the States. Um, but Perth is just so like calm. I've just mm. felt nothing but calm since being here. And it's just, even the downtown mm. area, we've only spent a, a little bit of time there, but 
it's just like everyone just is like breathing here. Everyone's just like it's mm. quiet, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yes. Which is, I mean, that was my first impression. That's a good first impression. Uh, mine. We came over the Nullarbor. We pressed to to Norseman, and there was a huge storm that we drove through. Mm-hmm. Uh, lightning everywhere. Gigantic rain. Uh, Fatty, our, our our bus out there, our little our van, <laughs> yeah. uh, trudged along. There was a lightning bolt that struck like I don't know twenty meters away. We saw the explosion, like loud thunder. So we made it into Western Australia. It was like. It was a test. It felt like it was like, all right, we got to yeah. earn this. Yeah. And uh, so we made Just it. Let it win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Most people die on this road. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we made it. Um, we get to Esperance. The water was unreal. Uh, blue, you know, danger of sharks. Um gorgeous dolphins pitching themselves out of the waves it was it felt like we we had just gotten to like a place that nobody talks about like they should i'm surprised nobody was recommending this place to us we stumbled upon it that seems odd Mm. you know uh and then we pressed it over to perth and it's been pretty good you know we've been incognito camping we've found uh some great spots to stay and uh comedy scene has, has recently become welcoming like i said had to get yeah. over those territorial roadblocks but it's, yeah. it's been great um once i got over kind of i had i was a little mad about how the comedy scene was going i was trying to contact all the bookers and it was kind of giving me the cold shoulder they didn't know who i was or what i was doing but i got on one show and the dominoes have fallen from there so i got a had a show last night that was in Basadine at Basadine Hotel. It was a wild show. A lot of hecklers. Tonight I'll be at the Fremantle Comedy Factory. So yeah. it's so it's all starting to fall into place. Things are as welcoming as, as they as I thought they would be, as I yeah. heard they'd be. So uh, I guess that was the bad mixed with the good. There yeah. it was a little little standoffish comedy wise, but mm. they they've seemed to come around, which is pretty cool. You notice the space and isolation. Yes, absolutely. I think, at least I did comedy-wise, I think uh, not a lot of people get out this way. So I think some of the the machinations or the architecture that that you'd see, uh, you'd find a little bit easier if you go to a city where the bookers, who do I contact for this gig, they get back to you quick. They know that there's like a rotation of comics, that they book up fast or they book up far in advance or they have spots open for people coming through. It's like this place is so isolated that those aren't set up. Those wheels aren't greased Mm. as as often. Is there like a rivalry between like Perth and some of the East Coast cities, kind of like there is with LA and New York? Um... I'd say that most of the, most of the East Coast would carry on and not really know that we're here. <laughs> and really not know that we're here, right? Unless, like, the oil and gas royalties stopped coming into the budget. Um, and then, from our point of view, it's interesting to ask me because I come from the UK, so I know what a big, old, proper-looking city looks like with London. Right. You know, I go to Melbourne. It's just old and it's dirty, yeah. and it just doesn't have the history to back up being like that. Mm. Everyone wangs on about the the coffee scene and the food scene, and yeah, okay. But whenever I've gone to Melbourne, it just reminds me of all the reasons why I left England. The cloud cover is really large. Yes, Sydney's all right. I I now have a challenge with going to big cities now because I live in such an isolated place. When I turn up, like all those nervous systems firing off, I find it hectic. 
Yeah. But that's me. Um, I yeah, look, there is, there is. Um, you know, if it comes to Australian rules football and stuff like <laughs> that, and, you know, there there is. But it's it's if anything, it's probably going to be more. You know, like the East Coast doesn't really notice the West Coast, and the West Coast has probably got a chip on its shoulder about that. Mm. Yeah, mm. little brother syndrome. Yeah. Mm. When I just say. I really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So, you've been on the tour so far, two months. Um, we've talked a lot about lots of different things. So, one of the questions I've got for both of you individually is, what have you learned about yourself on this tour so far? Ooh. Oh, my God. That I need adventure. That's, uh, I, I, thought I, I thought I wanted it. I think I just need it. I think I need... Uh, I need to challenge myself, and if I'm not challenging myself, mm. then I feel stagnant, and I then I dislike <clears throat> it. Mm. Um, and this this trip has been very fulfilling in the mm. challenges. Mm. Mm. What about God, I don't know. I was trying to think. That was a really short answer. Yeah, all right. Oh my That's god! One of most consistent ending questions. As That's well. such a good so, question, yeah. though. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a quick bit of time. Um, let's see. What have I learned about myself? I mean, I guess just personally, um, just within our relationship and within the constraints of the van, um, to just communicate better. Um, you don't realize unless you're living twenty four seven with someone else how often you need to communicate and be direct about your needs and when you need time or whatever. So for me personally, I've that's been a wake up call in terms of okay, like I I need to get better at that yeah, personally. I understand my needs and then both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, because it's so easy if you're not uncomfortable in a hot, sweaty van to you know to make assumptions about what the other person wants or what you want and. Um, Mm. so just being in those uncomfortable situations, long drives or whatever, being able to talk about stuff outright and not let it fester within yourself for hours and hours and hours on the road like that, that is something that I've been trying to do better at and I've very much learned about myself that I have, I've just never been challenged in that way before. I've never really been forced to think about my problems and past problems in that way. So it's. That's something that I've learned about myself, but I think, I think additionally, this is, I mean, this is just a crazy adventure and a crazy thing that we're doing. And we, we don't know where we're going to be in a month and a week and a day. And, um, that forces you to just kind of go with the flow a lot more. And for me, I used to be kind of a list person, um, not really rigid because this is generally how I like to travel, but I think trusting the journey is something that I've had to kind of learn to do, at least in the beginning, because I mean, there was just so much flexibility and so much that could go right and go wrong. And being able to just be okay with both sides of that is something that I think I've gotten decent at and mm. that I've learned about myself, mm. but kind of boring, but that's what I got. Yeah, nice. So I, I believe sometimes, you know, things, things like what you were doing, uh, certain things that I've done in my life that have been sort of big undertakings. The real reason for why you do them won't become apparent until 
probably six, 12, 18 months after you've done it, after yeah. it's all finished. Yeah. But already part of the reason why you're doing this will probably be starting to reveal itself. So why, why are you doing this trip? I needed, I needed to get out from, from the cycle that I was in. Uh, I didn't like my job. Um, I was, <laughs> I was starting to go down that, that stagnant path and I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing that. Something had to break and, uh, leaving the job, trying to pursue something that I, that I wanted, that I loved, uh, seemed to be the right answer with the person that I loved with, with Allie's support and with her by my side. We'd done the distancing. We'd been together. We did the distance together distance and this just seemed like a way to lock in both Allie next to me and go forward mm. on what it is I wanted to do mm. so it seemed that, that that's that seems to be apparent that that's that is working and that's mm. starting to I be the why what is the real purpose of this well it's so that's funny yeah well so a lot of people have asked that question why are you doing this and I'm I, not asking I was, you right at the start. I'm asking what, as you get further into this, mm-hmm. this trip, mm-hmm. the real purpose will become more and more apparent. Right. And what, what does it feel like to you at this point? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, I've always existed in a mindset where I should never really ask why. I should just say why not and jump in. Mm. Because... People, they frame the question as if you're going to fail, right? Like, why would you do this? Because what if it all goes wrong? Mm. And I kind of, I try to think of it as why wouldn't I do it? Because what if it all goes right? And so Mm -hmm. the if it all goes right for us is, you know, we have a podcast that is successful, that is real, that resonates with people. I get good at doing the thing that I love the most, which is creating content and doing that 24-7 whenever I want in a space where it's okay to fail um and wherever we go after this uh you know if when we move back to new york or or whatever travel we do from here on out whatever i've learned in this year about both myself pat and what i want to do i mean that's like you said that's when it'll become apparent yeah but i don't i don't know i guess i don't really have a good answer for that Mm. i've seen our podcast start to take a bigger priority you know, like I find that to be um, something I didn't realize was going to be creatively stimulating and satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think both for me and, and I won't speak for you, but I, you seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're building content for the podcast. We're like engaging with our listeners and it's, it's something I, I didn't expect. So I'd say that kind of surprises me a bit. Mm. Yeah. And what role does Australia play in all? I guess kind of an inst- like a muse, if you will. It's just a, it's a setting, it's backdrop, it's flavor. It's, it's just kind of the kick in the ass that we needed to start it all. Mm. Um, kind of the, the safe space. I'm running out of analogies for it, but it's just a, it's the place that we've found is solid enough footing mm. for us to jump into, uh, at least for me, the things that I love. Yeah. I mean, everyone talks about Australia and the outback and they're like, oh, it's so vast and so open. And I think that's a good analogy for why this is a good setting is because it is so open. And so we have room to fail here. We have room to really explore the things that we want to do. We have room to meet people we would have never met 
anywhere else in the world. And so there's a lot of parallels with that in terms mm. of what we're trying to accomplish with mm. not only this journey, this temporary journey, but like our life journey together. And I think that's awesome. There you go. You've answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a great answer too. Yeah. <laughs> so last couple of questions. Um, what sort of things do you two do in fan life to keep you sort of sane, grounded, healthy, measured? Um, so we work out, mm-hmm. go for runs. Sometimes we'll do that together for, uh, if we need a moment, we'll just kind of run as fast as we can in opposite directions and then meet back, <laughs> <laughs> and then meet back at the van. Yeah. Um, but we're, that, I'd say that's a big one. Um, reading, I've crushed a bunch of books yeah. while I've been out here. I uh, haven't read a book since I was like 12 <laughs> and I just finished a book recently, yeah. all the light we cannot see. Um, Pat's a huge reader, so he's inspired me to kind of explore that part of me that I haven't touched in so long. Mm. But podcasts, other podcasts. Oh, yeah, listening to podcasts. Just, uh, I like driving. You know, I kind of like doing that. That's just, Mm. for whatever reason, satisfies my brain and my tactile skills. Feels like I'm playing a video game with higher Mm. stakes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, goodness. Honestly, reading is a brand new hobby. I got a whole bunch of books. Um, we just got them at like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> reading is a brand new hobby. <laughs> it is. I know. And it's so silly Never to say out loud. I'm 30. Like, it shouldn't be a brand new yeah. hobby, but it is. Um, so I'm excited to explore that a little bit and figure out what kind of stuff I like to read. Um, honestly, I know I've said it a million times, but creating content full-time I've never been able to do that I've always had one foot in a job somewhere else where I'm doing something different something that's more secure that brings in more money so just getting weird with Premiere Pro and video editing and figuring out how to make something look super appealing even if it maybe wasn't I mean that's just that's what I love to do I love to edit photos I love to yeah I just I love that and I get to do that all the time now in the van when we're on the road it's so that's just been really, really cool for me. Cool. Yeah. So the last question I always ask my guests, and we're going to get two of them now today, um, is if you could take a little nugget of information and upload it into the collective consciousness so everyone just got it, mm. what would it be? That is a very good question. Little nugget. <laughs> Almost like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you could just take a little nugget. I would say what we're doing right now has blown so many people's minds. So many people are like, oh my God, you're doing what? I can't believe it. And they always end up the same. They say, I could never do that. I could never do that because I have money issues. I have a house here. I have family. I have all this other stuff. And they just come up with a million excuses on why they could never do what we're doing. So I guess if I could put one little nugget of information in everyone's brain, it's Mm. that what we're doing is not that hard, truly. Like, it's daunting, for sure. It can be stressful at times. But you can just pick up and do the thing that you've always wanted to do. The only person holding you back is always you. And I never really understood that until I, like, touched down here and was Mm. like, wow, we did it. We did it. And people said that we couldn't. People said that we shouldn't. And it honestly wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, it was just you, you save up money, you, you get your assets in order, 
if you plan on coming back and you just go. And I think people are still under this impression that travel is like daunting and expensive and like just crazy difficult to do. And it's not. And it's more accessible now than it ever was mm. in anyone's life. And I just, I think more people need to hear that. Lovely. Yeah. All right. My turn. Well, yeah, I guess my, my point's tangentially related, but a uh, very famous uh, American writer, Mark Twain, said, the antidote to prejudice is travel. So the more you see, the more you understand. People are people. And I'd like, I think the world needs a bit more of that as we become more connected uh, through the Internet and like, through all of the social media, all these things. It seems like we're getting further and further apart. We're getting diametrically opposed when, when the truth is probably we all kind of feel that and, and think very similar to each other. And we have a lot more in common than we have differences, even with the person who's on the opposite side of the world. So I'd say um, if you can't travel, just understand that people are people. Yeah, that's why it's so cool to like see you do comedy and to travel and do comedy because the common denominator with everyone, no matter where they're from, is laughter. Yes. People just love to laugh, no matter what. And that's just been yeah. so cool to see as a bystander to, to Pat's hobby. It's just seeing like everyone's face light up wherever you go, if you can tell a joke and, and make someone stay and make someone laugh and, and take all these things that we put up here in terms of seriousness and really like bring it down a notch and, and show yeah. that it's not, it's not that serious. Last like it's, it yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, that is really cool to see. Yeah. Not to overinflate like kind of a trivial thing, like stand up, but laughter is a, it's a human language, mm. you know, it's, I think shared by every culture. Yeah. That's cool. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having yeah, us. This has been this an has absolute been blast. Awesome. Excellent. And if people want to track your journey, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Work Our Way, the Work Our Way podcast. And if they want to hit us up directly, uh, they can contact us through our website, workourway.com, and uh, workourwaypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank Hell you. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.